0: This is the podcast where Tammy equips and empowers amazing fundraising pros like you to transform your fundraising so you can transform the world. And now let's hear from Tammy. Have you heard the exciting news? On January 25th, 2023, Tammy Zonker is hosting her first annual and free virtual summit for you and 999 other fundraisers and nonprofit leaders. Transform 23, also known as Fundraising Transformation Virtual Summit is hyper-focused on equipping fundraisers everywhere to take your fundraising to the next, next level. We've put together 10 wow-packed sessions with you in mind, led by 10 incredible forward-thinking experts to help you transform your fundraising in 2023 and beyond. And a special shout-out to our transformation sponsor, The Giving Block. Now, here's the thing. While it's free for you to attend, spots are limited. So go to fundraisingtransform.com transform23 and save your spot Now, In today's episode of the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast, I want to share my top five insights from working with nearly 200 Australian arts and culture fundraising pros in five capital cities in 10 days. Earlier this year, I had the extremely good fortune and privilege of visiting Australia, At the generous invitation of Creative Partnerships Australia, CPA is a very well-respected, relatively smallish government organization comprised of truly extraordinary people. They are dedicated to creating a sustainable and vibrant arts and culture sector all across Australia. From highly recognizable and revered organizations like the Australian Ballet, the National Gallery of Victoria, and the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, to small grassroots theater companies and festivals and independent artists and many organizations in between, the opportunity was to lead five one-day major gift masterclasses in five capital cities, coast to coast, in 10 days. We started in Sydney, then Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, and Brisbane. Now, if your geography skills are sharp, you know that's intense. Support for this show is brought to you by Bloomerang. Our friends at Bloomerang really understand fundraisers, which is why they make donor management and online fundraising software that nonprofits love to use. To learn more and to join them in their vision of building a world inspired by giving, head over to bloomerang.com forward slash intentional fundraiser. Australia is a very large country and we traveled coast to coast. 10 flights, nearly 25,000 miles door to door, starting in Las Vegas right after presenting at AFP Icon and then ending at home in Detroit 25 days later, including a little bit of tourism time tacked on to the end of the Masterclass tour. The Art of Donor Influence Masterclass was a hit, again and again lauded as inspirational, practical, and authentic, pulling back the curtain on the psychology of influence and how it applies to ethical nonprofit fundraising, sharing step-by-step how-to strategies, frameworks, and tactics on the donor development cycle with an emphasis on major donors, tackling emerging issues like engagement, recognition, and stewardship equity amongst donors for all gift values, First-time donors, long-time supporters, ensuring diversity and inclusion within our donor portfolios. One masterclass participant wrote, absolutely brilliant full-day learning experience from a master, sharing highly achievable, practical, and transferable skills and best practice strategies for generating greater philanthropic relationships and support. I love that. Another person shared, it was brilliant. I'm so inspired by Tammy's knowledge and approach, not just her content, but the beautiful, warm manner she approached and acknowledged participants with and acknowledged their input. I've learned so much that I will apply to all aspects of my life. I share that to just say our masterclass participants were amazing. Yes, I taught my heart out and I loved every minute of it, but I also learned a lot too. So I want to share today my top five insights from working with nearly 200 Australian arts and culture fundraising pros in five capital cities in 10 days. The first insight area is passion and stories. The Australians I met who fundraise for the arts are deeply passionate and incredibly inspiring. A great number of them are or were artists themselves. I met dancers who suffered injuries from which they could not fully recover to perform at a professional level, who chose to make a career out of raising money so others could express themselves through dance. Opera singers who were very good but felt they were unlikely to become truly great, choosing to become fundraisers so the experience of opera could be enjoyed by so many Passionate people, driven by their own life's journey. Grateful for how the arts opened their hearts and minds like nothing else ever has. Committed to ensuring the arts are accessible to everyone, regardless of where they live, their socioeconomic circumstances, their race, their ethnicity, their gender identity, cognitive or physical abilities. Others' passion came over time as they watched participants and audience transform in technicolor through creative programs and performances. Yet, there's a modest resistance amongst fundraisers to share their personal stories, as if sharing their journey to the arts steals the spotlight from the missions they serve. Throughout the master course, we discovered how light reflects light and passion is contagious. Sharing your story only contributes to the overall organization's story. And there's no shortage of transformational stories emerging from the Australian arts and culture sector, especially semi-post-pandemic. As Australians emerge from the most restrictive lockdown in the world, I mean, Melbourne endured 262 days of full quarantine. The truth is, we are emotional donors looking for rational reasons to justify our emotional decisions to give, and nothing happens until somebody feels something. So we must tell our stories and the stories of those we serve, the stories of our audience, the stories of our artists, the stories of our organizations. Stories are everything. The second insight I'd like to share is around the topic of perfectionism. Perhaps it's the nature of the arts organizations to seek perfection. Rehearsal after rehearsal before opening night. Blistered and bleeding feet under perfectly blush ballet slippers. Painting over painted canvases until the perfect work of art emerges. Fundraising pros for the arts seek similar perfection, which can slow the donor development process. Stalled in discovery, in search of every last detail before scheduling that visit. Unended cultivation, until the donor makes a gift of their own volition, in an amount of their choosing, or desperately asks, what do you need? More than one fundraiser in each capital city confessed to gas-bagging donors through a seemingly endless cultivation. In other words, just chatting with them in a friendly manner without an individual donor development plan, guiding the donor to support a project aligned with their passion and values. And I get it. We're under intense pressure to be the experts, often with our executive directors, our creative directors, and trustees as witness. The expectations for us to engage donors and to ask perfectly are astronomically high. But here's what I know. Authenticity, passion, and a compelling need will win over perfection every single time. Oh, and you'll likely receive larger gifts in a shorter length of time. The next area I want to talk about is case for support. In late 2021, Creative Partnerships Australia published a research report called Giving Attitudes 2020. If you're interested in the report, you can download it from the link that we'll include in the show notes. Amongst a lot of juicy insights and data points, it identified four challenges facing Australian arts and culture organizations. One of those challenges is improving the articulation of the case for support and value proposition. The case for support can be simply defined in a few short questions. What do you do and why does it matter? Why now? What's the urgency? Why are you the organization to do this work? And why are you asking me? In other words, why should I give you my hard-earned money now? A week or so ago, I had the privilege of co-leading a knowledge series webinar with Tom Ahern for this same arts group. Tom, of course, is well-known globally. He has been recognized by the New York Times as one of the U.S.'s most sought-after creators of fundraising messages. In that webinar series, we discussed that when arts and culture organizations are faced with these questions, they can get a little sheepish. A little humble pie modesty seems to overcome them. Whether they be Australian arts organizations or arts organizations here in the U.S. or elsewhere— This humble pie modesty seems to get in the way of you sharing your case for support as powerfully as you can. It's true, arts and culture organizations aren't essential services as defined by the World Health Organization. They aren't addressing climate change or gun control or providing humanitarian aid to refugees. But that does not mean that they aren't worthy of support right now during these challenging times. Our friends at Bloomerang know the importance of year-end fundraising to a nonprofit's longevity and success throughout the year. We know that 50% of nonprofits receive a majority of their annual contributions from October to December. To learn how you can make the most of this giving season, head over to bloomerang.com forward slash intentional fundraiser to get your copy of the 13 year-end fundraising tips. Health researchers report that we are experiencing an epidemic of loneliness. The correlation between feeling unseen and unheard And chronic health risks is well-established. It can result in depression, heart disease, and immunity disorders. In fact, chronic loneliness has the same effect as smoking 14 cigarettes a day. Suicide among youth and teens is at an all-time high, influenced in part by the pandemic, social isolation, and the associated restrictions, and possibly influenced by the lack of human connection that can easily exist in our digital world. The arts bring people together in community. The arts create a safe space to imagine, to explore, express, and to belong, to be inspired. Need more evidence? According to McKinsey & Company, when companies are considering where to open offices, two factors that they consider are, number one, the quality of school systems in correlation with workforce development. Can they attract workers from outside the community? Can the local community produce highly skilled, well-educated future employees? And two, they consider vibrancy of the arts and cultural community. The arts can bring an irreplaceable richness to life and to communities. So if a community has these two things, they can attract and hire talent within these companies. The arts and culture sector is an economic driver, as well as a quality of life driver. Boom! Like, your missions deserve philanthropic support just as much as other missions. In community, you save and change lives, too. The fourth insight, an area that I want to talk about, is asking. Oh, asking. You know, we all have a lot of fear about asking, whether you're from Australia, North America, or elsewhere around the globe. Fear of rejection, fear of embarrassing ourselves or looking badly, fear of asking for too much or too little, fear of upsetting, offending, disappointing our donors. Fear. (laughs) So when we finally find the courage to ask for a gift, the moment it rolls off our tongue, we just cannot be with the silence. You know, the silence while the donor actually considers our request. Authentically thinking about how they might be able to say yes to the project or to fund that operating request. Could it come from stock Would it be better gifted through a donor-advised fund all at once or perhaps maybe in two payments? Meanwhile, we abruptly break the silence with our counteroffer of a lesser amount before the donor even has time to consider the original offer. Universally, the antidote to fear of asking disease is practice, role-playing every ask with a trusted colleague or your solicitation partner. The more experience you have asking the more those feelings of fear will become feelings of excitement. Nike had it right when they said, just do it. And I was so moved and inspired by Australian fundraisers and their longing to become more skilled at asking and their willingness to rehearse, to do role plays and to do that practice, to just do it. And lastly, I want to talk about generosity of spirit and gratitude. In truth, with only a few nuanced exceptions, Australian fundraisers share many of the same characteristics with North American fundraisers. Sure, we have some delightful vocabulary differences. If you talk with me anytime soon, you might hear me refer to something as a bit dodgy or catch me gasbagging with a board member over afternoon tea. Or perhaps scheduling a visit in my diary instead of my calendar. Like those are all really endearing Australian language differences. But the most significant differences challenging Australian philanthropy are in the areas of creating a culture of philanthropy, fundraising infrastructure, national data collection and analysis, like the AFP Fundraising Effectiveness Project that we enjoy here in the U.S., measuring and reporting of giving trends and donor behaviors. Australia does not yet have a comprehensive national assessment of giving trends and donor behaviors. And still, in many cases, we North American fundraisers have a lot to learn from our Australian colleagues. You know, like around fundraiser tenure, theirs is much longer, and self-care, Again, they're much better at self-care than we are here in the US. Now, I'll wrap up with one last area where I feel like Australian fundraising professionals are truly exceptional, and that's the area of gratitude. The kindness and warmth that we received from so many Australian fundraisers was really remarkable. Like the independent artist Ian Provost, who patiently waited in the venue lobby following our masterclass, who gave me a single sunflower stem and a Kodachrome slide from Tokyo dated March 1969, a token of gratitude that meant something special to him and something special to me. Or Elaine Beek from Melbourne, an inspiring playwright and founder of Essence Productions Australia. Elaine wrote me a moving three-page letter on handmade paper telling me her story. She included a lovely photo we had taken together during the masterclass and a host of other endearing items, or Sophia Holloway and Amy Kitts, fundraisers from the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney. They gave us a reserve table and a lovely bottle of sparkling wine overlooking the Sydney Opera House during the Festival of Lights a truly breathtaking experience. Or Mark Quigley, a brilliant capital campaign consultant who drove us all over Sydney, helping us search for a mandatory COVID-19 PCR testing site no more than 24 hours before our flight back home to the U.S. on a Sunday. Or the Creative Partnerships Australia team, Matt Morse. Fiona Menzies, and the entire group of area managers who went above and beyond to make us feel warmly welcomed in their beautiful country, plied us with incredible food and Australian wines, recommended must-see museums, galleries, performances, and natural wonders. As we find ourselves perched on the eve of Thanksgiving here in the U.S., I'm reflecting on my many blessings the extraordinary kindness and phenomenal experiences of 2022 and those yet to come before the end of this calendar year, the love I feel for and from my family, friends and clients, and the great privilege and joy of working in the nonprofit sector. Yes, we work incredibly hard and long hours, but where else would we find inspiration, meaning and purpose every single day? I invite you to take a breath and count the extraordinary people, places, and experiences in which you're most grateful. And I'm wishing you and yours a wonderful holiday season. Thank you to our friends at Bloomerang for supporting this episode. Learn why fundraisers love using Bloomerang and grab your copy of the 13 year end fundraising tips ebook at bloomerang.com forward slash intentional fundraiser. The link is in the show notes. That's it for this episode of the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast. If you like this podcast, subscribe and download each episode on your favorite podcast platform. Share it on social media with the hashtag The Intentional Fundraiser and tag me, Tammy Zonker, and you'll be entered into a drawing for some great swag, books, and courses. And if you like today's show, you might also be interested in becoming a member of my Fundraising Transformer community where I go live twice a month with my members with fundraising training and group coaching to help transform those fundraising issues that keep you awake at night where I pull back the curtain on how you can take your fundraising results to the next level by teaching ways you can improve your development operations, create a results-driven, donor-centric development plan, strengthen donor relationships, improve your donor retention rates, and build a raging monthly giving program and a successful major gifts program and how you can approach each day to ensure you'll perform at your highest level so you can be the best fundraiser and the best person than you can possibly be. You can learn more about becoming a member at fundraisingtransform.com forward slash transformers. Thank you for showing up and for having the courage and determination to transform your fundraising so you can transform the world. Bye for now.